In the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It's ironic, don't you think, that Jesus was arguably the most famous person, the most beloved person in all the world? And yet he was executed uh, because people preferred an obscure terrorist over him? Who do you want, Pilate asked? Jesus or Barabbas? We'll take Barabbas, they say. And, and so they did. They chose Barabbas over Jesus. It's also, I think, a bit ironic that, um, that Pilate's mention of Barabbas is the last we hear of this chap. I mean, he sort of fades from human history. He's, um, I, I kind of imagine, probably you do too, uh, the scene where Pilate has uh, Jesus and Barabbas and he, he has them perhaps like up on a platform and you know, he says to the people, who do you want? You want Jesus or you know, this person who's arguably the most famous person in your time? Or do you want Barabbas, you know, this sort of obscure terrorist? Which one of these two? And I think that Pilate thought there's no way that they wouldn't choose Jesus. They have this choice and, and then they do. They, they choose Barabbas and, and yet we never hear from him after that. I, I don't know. I mean, you ever wonder what happened to him? Did, did he get married, you know, move to the suburbs of Jerusalem, you know, get a golden retriever? You know, I don't know. What did he do? We don't know. He just, he just disappears. Uh, the Gospel writers also say they all, all four of the Gospel writers indicate that, Jesus, uh, that uh, Pilate's decision, rather, to, um, to execute Jesus was a real struggle. Which is itself ironic because Pilate was known to be a ruthless person who would murder almost anyone. I mean, he would probably eat his own children if he thought it would help him advance his political career. He was a horrible person, and yet there's this struggle that goes on. I think that's the thing about popularity. One day you're on top of the world, and the next day the world is burying you. You know, it's one day you're, you're, you're up there, and the next day you're nothing. And yet, we all still kind of want it. From grade school, you want to sit at the cool kids' table, right? I mean, you did. You know you did. And, and, and we all wanted that. We know that in our world, that, that people love to build up celebrities just for the fun of watching them fall. And yet, we still crave it. We still say, you know, i got my 15 minutes coming. You know, there's a, there's a certain amount of faith. I want that notoriety that's mine. We want to be liked or admired, respected, whatever it is. We want to be well thought of. We want, we want affirmation, you know. Affirm me. Affirm me. Tell me that I'm a good person. Tell me that I'm wanted. This past week I had jury duty. I don't know if you've ever had jury duty. Um, my first go around with jury duty, the uh, Summit County Court of Common Pleas, and um, and so I'm I'm sort of thinking about this and how it's going. To, and the system sort of works like this: they send you a summons in the mail. It's got a number on there. Every day you check the website. If your number comes up, you go. If it doesn't, you go about your your life. And every day for five days, you have to do this. I check Sunday night to see if I have to go on Monday, and I don't. I check Monday night to see if I have to go on Tuesday, and I don't. I check Tuesday night to see if I have to go on Wednesday, and I do. And I get down there, and, um, and uh, you know, I go into this big room, and there's all these people, you know, and, and a lady comes in and says, I'm going to take 20 jurors. And if your name's called, remember your number and follow me. Number 18, Joseph Boisel. Like, yes! You know, I was so excited. I mean, I was, I was thrilled. You know, I really want. And so, 
you know, I'm kind of thinking, what's this case going to be like? And all this, you know, and I get up there and they, you know, take an oath, you swear, no, yeah, 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 I'm all through that. Um, and then there's 20 of us and they're going to pick 12. They start asking people these questions, you know, tell us what you do for a living, your hobbies. And then they ask you all these sort of questions. And they're going through these one at a time and, um, and, and, and they're asking everybody questions. Everybody's getting a question except for me. You know, I'm the only one. Not, I'm raising my hand. Hello. I've got something to say. You know, I'm trying to get... They, they do, and finally they do. They ask me a few questions, you know, and, and it's just like three or four, and then they move on and ask other people. They've already asked questions, asking them more. And I thought to myself, you know, surely they're going to pick me. I mean, why not? You know, I mean, who else are they going to pick? And, and, and they dismiss us, and we come back in after a little while, and, and they're going through this little process, you know, and, and okay, they're knocking people off. And I knew they were going, some of them I knew were goners. I knew they, you know, they answered the questions all wrong. And, um, and, and I, sure enough, you're out of here. Yeah, I knew you were gone, you know. And I'm watching them go one by one, and all of a sudden, all these spots are opening up. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I feel like I was in a Law and Order episode or something like that, you know. I'm going to make it into that box. So-and-so, the court thanks you for your service. You're dismissed for the day. You're dismissed for the day. You're dismissed for the day. The court thanks you. You're dismissed for the day. Joseph Boisel, the court thanks you for your service. You're dismissed for the day. <laughs> I was so disappointed. You know, why would they dismiss me? I, I mean, I am objective. I am the epitome of objectivity. You know, um... I am thoughtful, I am reflective, I am contemplative, I am well-educated, I am strikingly handsome, I am well-educated. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that I had to bring to the table, and they dismissed me. Just a couple little questions. And so here I am, storming out of the courtroom a little bit after noon on Wednesday, upset, dejected, rejected, and I hear this little echo from John's Gospel. The world hated them because they do not belong to the world. That's right. They hated me because I didn't belong to them. You know, we always want to sit at the cool kids. Nobody wants to be rejected. Not even for something that some people... You know, there were people that did not want to be there. They, they did, But when they got kicked off, you should have seen them. They're like, really? You're kicking me out of here? They were so disappointed. Jesus knows that His disciples are going to face real rejection. Severe rejection. It's going to be more than just simply not being wanted to sit on a jury. He knows that by following Him, people are going to alter their lifestyles. They are going to have different value systems. They're going to be completely different from the world they live in. And their value system and the different way that they live is going to bring them into constant conflict with the world. He knows that this is going to bring bring trouble. There's bound to be conflicts for people who follow Jesus. I mean, imagine, imagine two persons are, are working in a partnership. One of them has one goal, consumed with making money. And the other partner is consumed with making the world a better place. There's going to be conflict there. You know, it's going to happen sooner or later. Those value systems are going to come into collision. Uh, imagine a person is called um, to testify against a friend or a family member. And they've done something wrong. And the testimony of this friend or family member is going to make the difference in this person's life. And imagine the one called to testify as a Christian. And they have to value truth. They have to value what God thinks about what they say. They have to remember there's actually a commandment not to bear a false testimony. And you know that's actually a courtroom context for the, for the commandment? 
You shall not bear false witness. And so they, they believe that telling the truth is actually more important than helping their family. There's going to be some conflict there. I'm telling you, Thanksgiving is not going to be the same. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a tough way to go. As soon as the world begins to understand that the followers of Jesus are going to live by a different set of standards, as soon as the world understands that the followers of Jesus aren't going to play the games of lies, deceit, mistrust, duplicity, they're not going to be going in for the same values, wealth, power, privilege. These are not the things that they're going to live for. There is going to be trouble. That is the entire context of John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is a prayer. Jesus is praying. In fact, I think this prayer, Jesus is all alone. And John, the gospel writer, has been eavesdropping. I'm told that people do that from time to time. Eavesdrop, yeah? I think Jesus has gone off to pray. <laughs> You've heard that too, huh, Phil? People, he, Jesus has gone off to pray. And I think John, I think John is listening in. I think John is listening to what he prays for. And, and he prays for the disciples. And not just the disciples. John prays for the, or Jesus rather, prays for the church. He prays for you and for me. Not just for those that I've given you, but those who are yet to believe. Those who are yet to be part of the, this family. And listen. Listen, verse 11. Listen how Jesus prays. And now, I'm no longer in the world. But they are in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them. Did you hear that? Jesus prays that God the Father would protect us. That He would overshadow us. That He would guard us, keep us. He knows this world is no friend to grace. And so He prays for our protection. Now, I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. I think you do the same thing I do. When you protect something, how do you protect it? You, you guard it, right? You, you put layers of protection around. Imagine. Imagine you thought a child was in danger. You would put your body, your own human body, between that child and the threat, wouldn't you? Well, yes, of course you would. I mean, this is what secret service agents do, right? They put their lives between the threat and the one that they're, they're, they're charged to protect. That's how you guard something. What if it's not a person? What if it's a thing? You know, um, something. You put it in a house. You lock a door. Maybe it's small enough, you put it in a safe. You lock it away. You build layers of protection. You're getting this, right? You build layers of protection around the thing that you're trying to protect. Now listen to Jesus' prayer in verse 15. I am not asking you to take them out of the world. What? <laughs> no, really, you probably should. You know, um, maybe you should take us out of the world. Maybe you should get. Remember, this world is no place. To, no friend of grace. It's no no. Take, take us, as you have sent. A few verses later, verse eighteen, Jesus says, "As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world." Wait, 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 wait. Didn't you say that this world is a difficult place? It's no friend to grace. It's, this, this world is filled with destruction and, and evil and violence. Yes, I am. 
then why are you sending us into it? Because it's the only hope the world has. The only hope the world has. How is God then supposed to protect us in this savage culture? Well, that kind of comes right in the middle. Verse 16 and 17. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Jesus says, listen to this. Sanctify them in truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart. That's what sanctify means. Sanctify means to make special, to make holy. There's a cup underneath that white cloth right here on this table. You know that, right? It's not a mystery. There's a, there's a cup under there. I could use that cup and put anything I wanted in it. Of course I could put wine in it, but I could put coffee in it. I could put soda pop in it. I could put whatever, you know? You could fill it up with water. and I could use... But if I did, you would think I was absolutely insane, wouldn't you? I mean, if you came into my office and I've got this chalice sitting there and it's filled with coffee and I'm drinking it and I'm talking to you, you would think, oh my goodness, uh, my priest has a screw loose. Up. I mean, I thought he had one, but there's more, you know. There, there are real problems there. That is a holy vessel. It can be used for anything. It has been set apart to use for one thing. Jesus says, sanctify sanctify us. Listen, not to take us out of the world. And not even to do battle with the world. He has not asked us to do battle with the world. He has asked us to transform the world. To make it a different place. To make different kinds of people in it. Christianity is not easy. If anybody told you it was, they were lying to you. It is not easy. It will cost you. People will misunderstand you. At times, they will be angry at you. It's not easy to be a Christian. People will not understand why you always choose truth over lies. They will not understand why you choose chastity or fidelity over promiscuity. They will not understand why you choose humility over power. They will not understand why you choose uh, uh, sacrifice over greed. They won't understand that. But they'll be glad you did. They'll be very, very glad you did. Because even if you're not understood, you need to know this. You're needed. The world needs you. It needs you because you are a follower of Jesus. It needs you because you can do things. You can live a qualitatively different life and you can show the world that it can too. It needs you to value human souls over things. It needs you to be different. You are the thing the world needs. They may not always want you. They certainly will not always understand you. But you have something to give. You have something to offer. You've heard the story of the boy who, who's walking down the beach and he sees all these starfish laying out all over the beach and they're, as far as you can see, starfish everywhere and, and he starts picking them up and throwing them into the ocean and grabs one and throws it and grabs another and throws it and he's saving the lives of these starfish as he's throwing them in and his father's watching him and, and after a while his, his father comes over and says, Son, look, there are thousands and thousands of starfish. You can't save them all. The boy looks down and he kind of 
contemplates what his, his father says and thinks for a moment. And he picks up another starfish and throws it out in the ocean. He says, but I can save that one. And I can save that one. And I can save another. You may not always be understood. You may not always be wanted. But you are desperately needed. And I think being needed is far more important than being understood. I think being needed is even more important than being wanted. Don't you? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.